This is the emdocs.net podcast with Britt Long and Manny Singh. We bring you high-yield content about what you're seeing every day in the ED. Today on the emdocs.net podcast, we're looking at a potentially heavy topic, and that's post-abortion complications, mainly from unsafe abortions. This is the first part in a two-part series looking at post-abortion complications. Today's podcast will look at some background, some epidemiology, and then two complications, bleeding and infection. Before we get into the details, we need to define what safe and unsafe abortion means. This is a key classification because complication rates are very different between these types of abortions. The World Health Organization defines a safe abortion as an abortion in countries where the abortion law is not restrictive, or if the country does have a formal law, abortion is still widely available in a clean location, there are experienced providers, and there's a standardized procedure. An unsafe abortion is the opposite. This is an abortion performed by someone without the necessary skills, they may not have the right medications or the needed equipment, It could also be an abortion performed in an environment that does not conform to minimal medical standards. Unsafe abortion mainly endangers women in areas where abortion is highly restricted by law, or it's a country where even if it is legally permitted, a safe abortion is not easily accessible. What this means is that women will perform their own abortion, they won't have medical oversight, or they'll obtain a more hidden or clandestine abortion from a medical practitioner, maybe they won't have a lot of medical experience, or it'll be by a traditional healer. Either way, it's often performed in an unsafe environment. Before 2022, there were over 26 million safe abortions performed every year. There are about 25 million unsafe abortions. 97% of these unsafe abortions occur in developing regions. Resource-limited areas are more likely to restrict access to legal abortion, and that restriction affects more poor patients disproportionately. This leads to a higher proportion of unsafe abortions. The highest rates are in Latin America and Africa. Higher rates of unsafe abortions occur in patients who are younger, are more poor, and lack the social support or support of their partner. In the U.S., there's around 1 million abortions performed every year, and about 25% of females will have an abortion at some point during their lifetime. When we look at the complications between safe and unsafe abortions, the numbers are very different. The major complication rate for safe abortions is less than 0.16%. Maternal mortality rates at most are 062 per 100,000 abortions. There are completely different numbers when we look at unsafe abortions. Of the 25 million unsafe abortions performed every year, around 7 million women will have a complication. That means about one in three and a half women who have an unsafe abortion has a complication. The rate is about one in 1,000 for safe abortions. There's also a significant mortality rate. There are over 68,000 maternal deaths every year due to unsafe abortions. That's anywhere between 4 to 13% of all maternal deaths. Exact numbers do depend on the country. 
In countries with significant resources, 30 women per 100,000 unsafe abortions die every year. However, in areas with more limited resources, that number can be as high as 220 deaths per 100,000 unsafe abortions. That's a 50 to 360-fold increased risk of maternal death with an unsafe abortion compared to a safe abortion. There's a variety of reasons behind these numbers. It can be due to poor provider skill or technique, unsanitary conditions, lack of appropriate equipment. There can be toxic substances that are used. Abortions completed later in pregnancy are more dangerous. And there's often poor access to care after the abortion was performed. There are a number of methods for safe abortions. Medications could include mifeprostone and misoprostol. This combination has an efficacy rate of about 96% with some mild side effects. The most common surgical abortion methods are vacuum aspiration in the first trimester and then dilation and evacuation in the second trimester. There's more variation in unsafe abortion practices. There's essentially five general methods or even strategies for unsafe abortions. Some are going to be more dangerous than others. The first method is an oral or injectable treatment. This could be a toxin like metal salts, turpentine, lead, kerosene, detergents. Patients could use a uterine stimulant, hormones, or tea and herbal remedies. The second method is a substance or preparation that's placed in the cervix, the vaginal canal, or the rectum. This could be potassium, herbal preparations, misoprostol, or enemas. The third mechanism is intrauterine instrumentation. This is often a catheter that's inserted and then a substance like alcohol or saline is infused. Patients may also undergo foreign body insertion, which could be a knitting needle, a stitch hook, a coat hanger, even air blown through a syringe. The fourth method includes transcervical introduction of a substance like soap or phenol. The final major method is trauma to the abdomen or back. This could be through self-inflicted blows, jumping from a significant height, lifting heavy weights, or even abdominal massage. Many patients will end up using a combination of these different methods. Let's get to the complications. The most common ones are bleeding and infection. These both occur in safe and unsafe abortions, but they are far more common in unsafe procedures. Let's start with bleeding. In unsafe abortions, severe bleeding occurs in 3% of patients. Non-severe bleeding occurs in around 44% of patients. In safe abortion, significant bleeding as a complication occurs in less than 2% of patients. Bleeding is more common in medical abortions compared to surgical abortions. In safe medical abortions, bleeding is expected. It starts a couple hours after the medications have been introduced, and then it peaks around 3 to 8 hours. That's when the pregnancy is usually lost. After that, bleeding should then start to slow, but it can last a while. Data demonstrate that the median duration of bleeding is anywhere between 11 to 13 days. However, around 25% of patients can have bleeding up to 17 days or even longer. Excessive bleeding is two pads per hour for two hours in a row. Patients are instructed to obtain medical assistance if they have that type of bleeding. The differential is fairly straightforward here. You need to think about trauma and laceration to the cervix, 
the vaginal canal, the uterus, or the anexal vasculature. Bleeding can also be due to uterine acne, an infection, retained products, or coagulopathy. It's similar to postpartum hemorrhage with the four T's. More rare causes are ectopic pregnancy, a uterine artery pseudoaneurysm, abnormal location of the placenta, and an AV malformation. If bleeding is severe, it can result in hemorrhagic shock, coagulopathy, and death. When these patients come in, get that set of vital signs, but the pelvic exam is an essential component of your evaluation. You need to perform a thorough speculum and bimanual exam. Look for trauma and lacerations and get an idea of uterine tone. For patients with significant bleeding, obtain labs for bleeding like a CBC, coagulation panel, and type and screen. If you don't see an apparent source like a laceration, imaging with ultrasound is your next step. You're looking for retained products, a large amount of blood within the uterus, and free fluid in the abdomen. Treatment comes down to the patient hemodynamics and the underlying cause. If this patient is presenting with bleeding after an abortion, make sure to speak with your OB colleagues. If you find a small cervical or vaginal canal laceration, that could probably be treated with direct pressure and a little bit of silver nitrate. However, if you find a larger laceration, that will need repair with absorbable sutures. OB may want to do this themselves. If you find retained products or a lot of blood within the uterus, the treatment will be vacuum aspiration. In most settings, OB will take them to the OR, but this could be performed in the ED in resource-limited settings. If you find uterine acne, or if you're unsure of the cause, start with fundal massage and administer uterotonic agents. The first line is misoprostol 800 to 1,000 micrograms by rectum. This can be followed by methyl organovine 0.2 milligrams IM. If bleeding continues, you may need to place a sterile catheter balloon or a Bakri balloon in the ED. And that brings us to that patient who has severe bleeding. We know how to take care of this patient. Transfuse and resuscitate. Also give the patient TXA. We do need to have a low threshold to activate our massive transfusion protocol, especially if you've given the patient two units of packed red blood cells. DIC also needs to be on our radar, especially if that patient has significant bleeding and there are coagulation panel abnormalities or a low fibrinogen. When you have the patient with refractory bleeding, they're hemodynamically unstable, or there's some sort of vascular issue like a pseudoaneurysm, your next step depends on your ED and what resources you have available. Interventional radiology is a great option if you have this. IR can perform uterine artery embolization. Even if you do have IR available, you'll want to speak with OB and your general surgeons. The next line is going to be surgical laparotomy or laparoscopy, and that's followed by hysterectomy. The second most common complication is infection, and again, it's far more common in unsafe abortions. Severe infection can occur in about 5% of unsafe abortions, but about 24% of patients will have a non-severe infection. In safe abortions, that rate is much lower. It's less than 0.23%. Infection comes down to three different factors, retained products, non-serial technique, and some form of trauma. Most cases are polymicrobial. Bacteria can include endogenous vaginal flora, 
as well as any pre-existing infection like chlamydia or gonorrhea. Other microbes like group E strep, E. coli, staph, and anaerobes are very common. Infections due to group A strep and clostridial species are a whole other animal. These microbes can result in toxic shock that starts with vague symptoms like chills, myalgias, abdominal pelvic pain, maybe some nausea and vomiting from toxin production, and then these patients rapidly deteriorate. No matter the specific microbe that's involved, severe infections are deadly. They can lead to sepsis, septic shock, organ failure, DIC, future sterility, and death. Patients can present with fever, chills, malaise, abdominal or pelvic pain, and then vaginal bleeding and usually discharge. On exam, you're going to see significant abdominal tenderness and a boggy or tender uterus with a dilated cervix and discharge. Obtain your normal sepsis labs like a CBC, look for end organ injury, get a lactate, also get blood and cervical cultures, and then also make sure that you obtain an ultrasound to look for retained products as a source. Treatment is going to focus on resuscitation and administer broad-spectrum antibiotics. One regimen is gentamicin, clindamycin, and ampicillin. You could also use piperacillin tazobactam and clindamycin. Also make sure to speak with your OB colleagues for source control. This typically includes a DNC with vacuum aspiration. That's it for part one. In part two, we'll look at incomplete abortion and retained products of conception. We'll also look at trauma and then a couple other rare complications. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Stay safe and healthy, everyone. 